My name is Ben Lafort, and I am the host of the Making of a Millionaire podcast, where each episode we are going to be discussing a new personal finance concept, and I'm going to discuss how that concept can help improve your life. So if you're ready to get going, let's start the show. Hey guys, Ben here from Making of a Millionaire. Today, I want to follow up with you guys on a brilliant comment I got from a reader on one of my articles. The article was around why it's difficult to generate passive income and, and why if you're obsessed with passive income, you might be better served to simply cut your living expenses instead of, of focusing on passive income at first because uh, cutting $500 um, per month in expenses has the same impact as, as generating $500 per month in passive income, and you can do it much quicker. But I had a fantastic comment from a reader, Josh, who pointed out that uh, while he largely agrees with what I was saying, um, that in his view, we need kind of two different budgets. One is a budget based off of our um, kind of optional temporary frugal budget, right? So the, and when we're acting frugal in, in terms of uh, wanting to save for a larger goal and our long-term budget uh, that reflects what, what he called our truly desired living expenses. So what our budget would be if we weren't um, obsessively focused on saving and, and investing and just more focused on enjoying the things we enjoy in life. So this is an, an important point. I want to discuss it more in the podcast today. Um, so what we're going to discuss, you know, personal finance and, and you're spending your budget. Your budgeting is not a static issue. It's fluid. How you might manage your money today is going to consistently change over time. That's going to be based on how your financial situation evolves. How your financial life looks today is nothing how it's going to look in 10 years. Uh, this is constantly changing. So in today's podcast, let's jump into this topic a bit, bit more about why, you know, managing money is less of a science, right? It's not like chemistry here where there's only one formula that will yield the correct result. It's more of like, a, as I called in, in, in my writing, an elegant dance. There, there will be times for frugality. And there's gonna be times for abundance. And, and the trick of managing money is knowing uh, what to do during these times, um, you know, and when and when you're in a in a point to be more frugal, and when you're in a point to enjoy more abundance. So let's jump into that discussion fully. So let's jump into what I call the three phases of our financial life. The first is forced frugality. The second is optional frugality, and the third is thoughtful abundance. If you are lucky, you kind of move in a straight line from forced frugality to optional frugality and then hit thoughtful abundance and, and never look back. Although for most people, as we'll get into, there's kind of a dance opt often between these phases. But let's discuss each of these in detail. So, so let's start with forced frugality. There, so let me start with a little story about here to illustrate forced frugality. When I had finished graduate school and before I got my uh, job at my full-time job, there was a point where I had no money and no place to live. My um, lease at my apartment was set from uh, to expire in September um, because I didn't expect to still be living in the in the town, uh, the city I was living in that I went to university. I didn't know I would 
you know, land a job there. I, I planned on hopefully landing a job and moving out before the end of this lease. Um, and I had a job offer, but it was not starting right away. So I had no money at that point and, and nowhere to live. Um, and there was a period where I, uh, you know, just very narrowly avoided basically swatting in the study hall for graduate students that I still had the keys to. Uh, my landlord let me extend my lease by an extra month, but I was, you know, seriously considering just sleeping in the study hall for three weeks. That is what forced frugality looks like. Anyone who's lived through periods of financial hardship where you just do not have enough money to pay the bills knows what I'm talking about. The, so this is a period where you're you're cutting uh, just about every non-essential expense you can just to get by. It's a time of constant stress because, you know, the reality is that um, you can only cut your expenses so far. Um, you always need a place to live and you always need food in your stomach. So this is there's only one way out of forced frugality, which is to make more money. If you're in the period of forced frugality, you don't necessarily have a spending problem. You have an income problem. So this is kind of the first phase of our financial life for many people is just trying to get our income to a sustainable point. Next, we have optional frugality. And, and this is one of the most important things to, to consider because optional frugality is where you can really start hammering out your financial goals. So when I finally started my, my new job, um, I was suddenly making more money than I ever had in my life. And I had access to things like a workplace benefit, life insurance, a pension, all of this for the very first time. When your income improves and, and improves dramatically, uh, you move out of the forced frugality uh, phase of your life and you have kind of two options before you. Number one is to give in to lifestyle inflation. Number two is to practice optional frugality. So just so you know, if you're not familiar with the term lifestyle inflation, that refers to the phenomenon of as your cost of living increases alongside your income. So as, as you make more money, you spend more money. And if you've been living in a state of forced frugality for a long time, that temptation for lifestyle inflation is very powerful because you finally have money to buy the things you might have been dreaming about before. And, and it's okay, you know, given to a certain ex, you know, extent, uh, you know, if you've been un unable to afford any luxuries in life and you finally are in a position where, you know, those luxuries are available to you, it's very natural to want to indulge. And, and to a certain extent, it, you should indulge, you know, but only in moderation and not with your fixed expenses, at least not at first. So the first two years after I finished grad school, you know, when I avoided living in the, in the study hall and I got my career job, those were probably the most two important years of my financial life because I embraced optional frugality. So once I landed that job, um, you know, no one would have batted an eye if I decided to move into a nicer apartment um, or bought a new car, but uh, I didn't. I moved in with my two buddies from grad school into an even natural, actually, an even crappier apartment. They were still in grad school. They were doing a PhD, bad financial choice for economic majors. Um, and... <laughs> A little commentary there on on, on PhDs versus masters. Um, don't take yourself out of the job for longer than you need to. Anyway, sidebar. I moved into this crappy apartment with my two buddies uh, from grad school. Um, 
it was above the health food store. You could literally, we put a tennis ball on one end of the apartment and it would roll to the other end of the apartment because it was so slanted. Uh, so why did we live there? Because the rent was $400 per month. I bought a 12-year-old Chrysler Neon. It was purple, had a little dent in the, in the front. Um, and the only reason I even bought a car at all is because I needed one for work. If I didn't need it for work, I wouldn't have bought it at all, but it kept my bus pass. Um, I'd go out for beers with those buddies and other friends on the weekend, but I, you know, I never ordered food while we were out. So, um, you know, I had a burning desire to be frugal and remain optionally frugal because I had a hefty amount of debt. Yes, I was making more money, but I had 50 grand in student loans and I wanted to, to pay those off as quickly as possible. So I kept my living expenses very low as if I were still a student. I practiced optional frugality and I poured every penny onto my debt. But here's the thing, being frugal, like so not spending money is necessary, but not sufficient to hammer out those financial goals. You actually need a plan for the money you're not spending. So initially I used the money that I wasn't spending to pay off debt and build a cash emergency fund. That was kind of my like base level goals. Once I had met those, uh, and I met the woman who is now my wife. Uh, we, I used the money I wasn't spending, but I could have been spending, and we saved it for a down payment on a house. And after we moved into the house, uh, every penny I could save was getting invested. So you can see these levels of financial goals are building on top of each other, but, the, you know, and it helps me being uh, optionally frugal is allowing me to hammer out those goals quite quickly. So living, this is a key point takeaway, living frugally when you don't have to is the fastest way to smash a financial goal. And if I'm being honest, I probably stayed in a period of optional frugality longer than I needed to, probably longer than my wife would have liked. Um, but I had so much lingering money anxiety from my days of forced frugality that spending money on things like going to a coffee shop, it, it initially stressed me out. I had a lot of financial, call it trauma in my earlier days before grad school uh, with family related issues. So the irrational part of my brain believed that it was only a matter of time before the rug got pulled out from underneath me and, and my period of financial success would go away and I'd be forced to going back into a position of not having enough. Despite all evidence to the contrary that that is not going to happen, you know, there is that irrational part of your brain that, that is constantly nagging at you um, that, 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 you know, the, the next bad thing is just around the corner. But as the years passed and my income increased and I began to achieve more ambitious financial goals and my wealth began to grow, those anxieties began to fade and I allowed myself to spend a little bit more money. And this is where we enter thoughtful abundance. So once you move out of optional frugality, you move into thoughtful abundance. So there are certain things that I spend money on today that make me happy, but that I used to deprive myself of when I was in the optional frugality phase. So for example, you know, I fly back to my hometown to see my family and friends more often than I used to. Um, you know, it used to just be at Christmas. Now I try to get back as often as I can. You know, I go to, we live outside of Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada. I'm a massive NBA fan. I love the Raptors. Uh, but so now I, I go to a few games a year with my buddies where I used to just only watch it on TV. Uh, and I'm traveling as often as possible. My wife and I love to travel. 
So these are all things that I had to prod myself of when I was practicing optional frugality. I, I don't regret um, that phase of optional frugality because I had very ambitious goals and I wanted to hit them. And cutting back on spending for a number of years allowed me to achieve those goals and help me get over my financial uh, anxiety. However, I began to realize that I was not really living my best life. It, it became clear that uh, permanently depriving myself of these things I value was not a recipe for a happy life. You know, it was great to hit financial goals for, you know, a few years, but am I going to spend the next 50 years, you know, not going to Raptors games? And when I love that to do that, um, going home less frequently, traveling hardly at all. What's the point of having all this money uh, if I can't do the things I love? So thoughtful abundance doesn't mean I go to every Raptors home game or I jump on a plane every month, but, you know, because that would be like lifestyle inflation. And if you're not careful, and that can lead you back to forced frugality if your financial situation comes crashing down. Really, the key is just to kind of pick your spots, being as cost efficient as you can. And then when you decide to spend on something you value, just go enjoy yourself without worrying about the money you just spent. When can I go to a Raptors game with my friends? You know, am I going to go and sit courtside? No, we're not going to go sit courtside and spend two grand. And we probably aren't going to buy overpriced stadium beers, maybe one beer and, and you know, not going to buy a $15 plate of crappy nachos. But we go out for dinner before the game and a beer or a few beers after the game. We buy a reasonably tight price ticket kind of in the upper bowl or in the top of the lower bowl. Um, we have a good view of the court and, and we have a good, we have an amazing time. We do that a few times a year and, and it's phenomenal to me. That's thoughtful abundance, not depriving yourself of the things you really value, um, but not going overboard in terms of where it's going to throw off your financial plans. So the thing to take away from all of this is that money is a fluid situation. It is not static. The odds are that anyone who's listening to this right now, you're going to enter the, all three phases of your financial life uh, at some point. You might have already gone through all three or, or, or just some of them. So for many of you, you may cross back and forth between these phases multiple times. And that's kind of where it's like a little elegant dance. You're, you're dancing in and out of these three phases. You know, personal finance is a fluid situation. The real trick is knowing which phase you're in whether you're happy being in that phase, whether you know you actually want to be in that phase right now, and if not, how you plan to move back to the phase you want to be in. So to summarize it all, you know, if I could summarize personal finance in a single sentence, it would be this. Focus on getting your income to a high enough level to provide financial stability. Be ruthlessly frugal when you have an ambitious goal, and don't be afraid to live a little once you achieve those goals. That's going to do it for me today, guys. Um, if you haven't, please sign up for my weekly newsletter. A link to that is in the show notes. If you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend that you think would enjoy it. And I will talk to you guys again next week. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered financial or legal advice. Not all information will be accurate. Consult a financial professional before making any major financial decisions.